Before we begin this week's brand new segment of our show, Be Our Guest, I just very quickly wanted to say thanks to everyone for listening. For the last four months, you have heard me every week, and this week, it's a little bit different. Resident super producer and also veteran of the hospitality industry, Timothy McDonald, is taking over the show this week in a new segment that will be airing once a month called Be Our Guest. While I have spent my time in the kitchen, Tim has spent his career in the front of the house. He is a genius at understanding the ins and outs of hospitality from the unique perspective of having done it for so long, and like me, wants to tell you about it. I'm so excited for you to hear our first episode, and we will be back next week with a new episode of Let's Talk About Chef. If you want your restaurant shout out on the show or you want to write to us for any reason, you can send everything to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at letstalkaboutchef or you can follow me personally at Chef Brian Clark. That's it from me. Take it away, Tim. Tipping is something that can create a lot of problems. In the world that we live in, the vast majority of people tip and they tip well. There is some understanding that the person who is serving you does need the money. It is a social contract. However, a bad waiter or waitress can ruin any meal, and of course, in that situation, even I, someone who relies on tips to make my living, will not leave more than a dollar. I normally tip 20% for average service. In my profession, getting a standard 15% of the bill is also problematic. As a custom to give that 15% at the end of the experience has become a general rule of life. Restaurants around North America have hired pretty girls and boys that couldn't give good service if they tried. You have seen them. You have eaten in a restaurant like this. As you sit in the pub or chain restaurant of your choice, you look around at the schoolgirl plaid skirts, yoga pants and tight v-neck t-shirts, that expose way too much cleavage to be comfortable, and you also get the new normal of service. Hi, my name is Stacy. I'll be taking care of you today. Our soup is this. Our special is this. What do you want to drink? Then someone else will bring you your drinks. Someone else will bring you your food. And even in the most extreme cases, somebody else, usually a busser, comes up with the bill and you pay them. You tip 15% and you leave. What the hell is going on? Restaurants are hiring attractive people, sexy people. And while there is absolutely nothing wrong with that, the pretty girl or boy is attracted to the idea of making 15% on her or his table. They don't care about good service. They care about 15%. You will pay 15%. Then you will leave. And it will all start again. That's where I and people like me come in. Giving good service, giving the best service possible to your guest at the table should not be taken lightly. Being a waiter and a bartender is, in my opinion, a very respectable and humble job. And it only requires one thing. Be nice to people. Make a comment. Crack a joke. Take the time to listen to what they need and what they are saying. Throughout my career, I have been fortunate enough that the standard tip I get is above 20%. And I'm not even trying to get that. I'm just not terrible at my job. But what is tipping exactly? With the recent shift over the last few years to take away tips and simply give a living wage to servers, or the absolute theft that occurs every single day when owners steal the tips from their employees, 
What is the answer? Where do we go from here? And where did tipping come from? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm Timothy McDonald, and this week on Let's Talk About Chef presents Be Our Guest. It's just the tip. Like most things in life, tipping has a dark and frankly terrible past. It started in Europe during the Middle Ages, when royalty would give their peasants and servants a few coins, but only if they did a good job or went above and beyond the call of duty. Eventually, tipping the servants only for the perfect job became normal, and tips were the only way these people had a chance to make any money at all. Most of the time, working for royalty meant that you had food and housing, so the concept of actually making any money was completely unheard of. In America, things were a little bit different. Tips in restaurants were unheard of. It wasn't until the Civil War ended and all of a sudden millions of freed slaves had to find work. So they moved to the cities where they could get so-called unskilled jobs that it became a thing. Most of the jobs available to the newly freed slaves were in the service industry. Bellhops, busboys, and waiters were for a lot of these people the only jobs that they could find. And just because the Civil War had freed these Africans from their forced servitude, it didn't mean that racism died out as well. Racist restaurant owners refused to pay the black waiters and waitresses anything and made them rely solely upon the tips that people would leave for them. Well, the Americans who traveled to Europe during this time saw that the aristocrats and royalty would tip the poor for their service. And so, in wanting to seem elegant and royal themselves, they adapted this practice of tipping. But there was a public outcry from the middle class in America who saw tipping as un-American and undemocratic. Why should they tip for good service when they weren't tipped for their own jobs? The saddest part of this story is that so many newly freed Americans were delivering food to tables all day long and couldn't afford to buy any for themselves. Because the public, despite having to adjust to the idea that slavery wasn't a thing anymore, still saw them and the job they were doing as not important. The rich kept tipping the poor because it was in their eyes natural to tip your inferiors. Despite the backlash from the middle class, restaurants and railway lobbyists rallied together to make sure that giving tips became the new normal. And it might sound like that is because they wanted to make sure that their employees were taken care of, but really, it was because they didn't want to pay their employees a wage. Instead, hoping that the wage could be supplemented by the customers making them more money in the long run. Like I said, This is not a nice story. In 1902, a reporter wrote in an article about tips, and I quote, I had never known anything but Negro servants. Negroes take tips, of course. One expects that of them. It is a token of their inferiority. But to give money to a white man is embarrassing to me. 
By 1938, the United States Congress passed the first minimum wage law, which allowed for states to set a lower minimum wage for tipped workers. Despite tipping those workers not to be mandatory, for decades, nothing really changed until 1996, when the head of the Restaurant Association, Herman Cain, made Congress set two minimum wages, one for tipped workers and one for not tipped workers. The new federal minimum wage for tipped workers had to be $2.13 an hour, with the hope that the rest of the workers' wages would be made up by getting tips for good service, essentially modern slavery. Even today, 23 years later, there are still 17 states that only pay their tipped workers $2.13 an hour. And now we get to the really gross part. Non-white tipped workers in America make 56% less than their white co-workers. That concept of a tipped worker making less than someone who makes minimum wage seems completely insane. Especially when you have attitudes like this making their way into movies and pop culture. All right, everybody cough up some green for Throw in a buck. Uh-uh, I don't tip. You don't tip? No, I don't believe in it. You don't believe in tipping? Do you know what these chicks make? They make shit. Don't give me that. She don't make enough money, she can quit. <laughs> I don't even know a fucking Jew would have the ball to say that. Uh, let me just get this straight. You don't ever tip, huh? I don't tip because society says I have to. All right, I mean, I'll tip if somebody really deserves a tip. If they really put forth the effort, I'll give them something extra. But, I mean, it's tipping automatically. It's for the birds. <coughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're just doing their job. Hey, this girl was nice. She was okay. I mean, she wasn't anything special. Hey, look, I ordered coffee, right? Now, we've been here a long fucking time. She's only filled my cup three times. I mean, when I order coffee, I want to fill six times. Six times? Well, you know, what if she's too fucking busy? Words too fucking busy shouldn't be in a waitress's vocabulary. Excuse me, Mr. Pink, but the last fucking thing you need is another cup of coffee. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I mean, these ladies aren't starving to death. They make minimum wage. And I used to work minimum wage, and when I did, I wasn't lucky enough to have a job that society deemed tip-worthy. You don't care they'd count on your tips to live? You know what this is? Restaurant owners stealing tips from their workers is an industry-wide problem. Every single day, there are places that demand that tips be pooled together, and then they will be divided up among the employees. Normally, this is done under the guise of front-of-the-house workers having to give 1% or 2% of their tips to kitchen, when it should be more. 1% to a bartender for making their drinks, and maybe 1% being handed off to the bussers and hostesses. Look, servers make a lot of money. If you are fortunate enough to work in a place that is busy, you will make a lot of money. Everyone knows that. Some owners know that too. And it's not even the seedy ones. A lot of the top restaurateurs in America have all been caught and forced to pay massive settlements to their workers for stealing their tips. Thomas Keller's per se had to pay $500,000 to its workers for not giving them the 20% automatic gratuity they charge for dining in the private dining rooms. Dan Barber's Blue Hill at Stone Barns had to pay over $2 million back to its workers in stolen tips. 
Gramercy Tavern got caught taking over 700,000 from its workers. Balud, the famous restaurant owned by Daniel Balud, was caught stealing 1.4 million. And Mario Batali's restaurant, Babo, had to pay over $5 million for stealing tips in 2012. The problem with tips is that they are cash. They are unaccountable. And it is a crazy thing to see that the practice of stealing money from employees can reach all the way up to some of the best and most expensive restaurants that exist. But greed by restaurant owners has never and never will go away. Hey guys, it's Brian. The Chef Show has quickly become Netflix's most popular food show ever. You can watch Jon Favreau, who made Iron Man, and Roy Choi, who took the world over with his Kogi food trucks, tearing it up and bringing their friends along for the ride. It is so much fun to watch these guys cook, learn, and make food together, and you really want to get in on it. If you haven't subscribed to Netflix already, you can do that at netflix.com or netflix.ca and get ready to watch The Chef Show. You won't be sorry that you did. In 2015, a new trend started to happen in restaurants, the no-tipping movement. Basically, there is a divide between the front and the back of the house, with cooks and chefs making less money than those of us who work out front. This is not news, and it is a sad reality of the industry. New cooks make minimum wage, which where I live is $14 an hour. New servers can walk out on a Saturday night with $200 in their pockets. And so under the guise of trying to even up the fairness of the roles, owners decide to remove tips from the equations by simply raising their menu prices a little bit and pay everyone a living wage. It sounds great on paper, but it was pandemonium. Danny Meyer, who is one of the most prolific modern restaurateurs with 11 Madison Park, Union Square Cafe and Shake Shack, removed tips from all of his restaurants, with dozens of others doing the same. The direct result was a happier kitchen, happier cooks because for the first time ever, they were making decent money doing a very hard and very grueling job. Servers, on the other hand, started to quit in huge numbers, and they began going to work for other restaurants that still allowed them to make tips. They weren't making nearly the same amount of money as they were before. Like I said, you can make a lot of money serving tables. The main problem at the core of the no-tipping movement is the illusion that you can raise your prices by 20 to 40% and still expect to get customers. The restaurant game is insanely hard. It is very, very competitive. And at the end of the day, if you see a steak for $30 and next door the same steak is $50, you are going to go to the cheaper option. That's the way it is. Pretty much all restaurants that try to adopt the no-tipping policy have abandoned it, opting to go back to the original model. It was a nice idea, the concept to pay staff more money, but the idea of a guest being in control of the tip at the end of the day is something that will never go away. And that's fine. If I give bad service, I do not expect to be tipped. I have heard other servers complain throughout my career when they get a 10 or 12% tip. I used to be guilty of this as well. Taking advantage of a system without realizing why I was getting tipped poorly. If that happens now, my first thought is, 
what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? But I have also been victim of and witnessed excellent service getting no tip. There are people in this world that just won't tip servers. They exist. I and you cannot change that. Regardless, it is our goal as service to make you happy. Sometimes that is impossible. Sometimes people don't want to be served, and sometimes you can tell that right away. The sheer fact that so many people rely on the not mandatory generosity of the public is kind of amazing when you really think about it. But if minimum wage continues to go up, if eventually the ancient laws of paying tip workers less gets thrown out and servers can make money like every other human being without relying on tips, what will that do to the idea of service? Think about your job. Think about what you do. Think about how many times your boss was indignant with you. You got into an argument with a coworker. Your shipments didn't make it on time. What if your salary was decided by the person on the receiving end of that? It changes the perspective on what so many people rely on. In the end, it's always about money. The better service we give, the better we make. And that is something that has been the same for a very long time. But just because something works doesn't mean it's not broken. I do not have the answers. But I do believe that with this modern world changing as fast as it is, that tipping may soon go away. And I'm fine with that. This industry is broken. It is. It lives upon old laws and customs that make no sense in this century. But until the laws change, the public changes, or the whole idea and concept of restaurants do, there will be arguments on either side of the fence about tipping. It's always going to be just the tip. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Be Our Guest. It was hosted by Timothy McDonald and produced by me. I want to give a very special shout out this week to Emma Baker and the Organization of Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. This is an amazing organization that connects truly organic farms from all over the world with anyone who wants to go and work on them. It makes traveling cheap and fulfilling, and I really want to thank Emma for writing in and telling us about it. If you want to write to us for any reason, you can reach out to us at letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com. We do take the time to write and respond to everyone, and we look forward to the emails every single week. We are back next week with a brand new episode of Let's Talk About Chef. And until then, have a great service and have a great week. You can get